All right, let's go ahead. We're going to jump into the message. Um, we're actually going to be talking uh, in our series, Echoes from Exodus. Now, I'll be honest with you, um, as I kind of was putting all these things together, this was one of those messages that, that I almost, uh, I was like, as I was planning it and things like that, I was like, you know, I don't know if I need want to cover this, and, or I don't think maybe this isn't what I, where I want to go. And, and the more I continued to move forward with the series, the more I kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back. And so I, re- I really believe very strongly that this is a message that is, is definitely for for us today, but I think it's more than that. Um, I met with the board on, on Wednesday, last Wednesday, as we were talking about um, uh, certain things, and one of the things that we were talking about was our online things that we've been able to put together over the last year or so, some of them because of COVID, others just because it's, it's a great ministry tool to be able to have our services available. And, and so this is one of those messages where I really felt like God kind of spoke to me and said, this message is for September 19th, 2021 but it is also for days and dates that you have no idea. These are going to be days and dates that I'm going to use this, this message and this, this opportunity to speak to many people literally all over the world. And so I'm excited about that, but I'm also a little bit like, wow, I, 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 I hope that I can communicate the way that, that I want to communicate. Because quite honestly, this is one of those messages that, that, that I, like I said, I was almost ready to skip over because we hear a lot about this message. We hear this kind of go over and over again. But as I was studying and I was looking at it, I realized that really this is probably one of the most important messages that I will ever give. As a pastor, as a disciple of Jesus, this is one of the most important things I will ever share. And if, I don't be, if I'm not able to share this, then in some ways, everything else that I share is not really enough. And so I'm excited to share this with you. Again, I believe that this is not just for today. So if you're watching this and it's four years from now or two years from now or even on Thursday, I'm excited because I believe God has placed this in my heart, not just for this moment, but for many, many moments in the future. So we're going to jump in here and we're going to be looking in Exodus 11. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Exodus 11 and Exodus 12 pretty much. And then we'll jump around a little bit after that. But in Exodus 11, we're going to start looking at verse number one and then we're going to jump to four and seven before we really jump into the meat of the message which is really in Exodus 12. So if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever you use open your Bibles and let's look at Exodus 11 verse number one. This is what it says. It says then the Lord said to Moses I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. Now let's jump on to verse number four. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt. From the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise through the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Let's pray. Father, 
I need you so bad right now. I, I, my words have got to stop. And Father, your words is what we need. And so Jesus says, as I share these things, God, I pray that you would just speak through me so clearly, so evidently, and that, Father, that you would be glorified through these things. Because, God, this is your great plan. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Even though it seems rough, even though it seems difficult, God, this is the plan that you have brought because you love us so much. And Father, I pray that you would help me to share that. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, before we really jump into this, let's kind of do a really quick recap again of where we're at. Obviously, the Israelites are in Egypt during this time. Moses has been brought in and saved and helped so that basically we would have a situation where... um, in that situation that, that Moses could lead the people out of Egypt, they were called, he was called to do that and to make that impact. But he kind of did things his own way, kind of went his own way. And when he did, he kind of brought even more time uh, to, 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 for them to be in slavery under the Egyptians. And so God finally, after 40 years in the desert, he calls him back to Egypt. He goes in front of Pharaoh and demands that he let the people go. Pharaoh refuses and God begins to send plagues and he sends 10 of them. And today we read about number 10, the very last one. is, is basically the death of the firstborn. And so in this, we see that God has spoken through Moses to Pharaoh and say, listen, here's the situation. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt is going to die. Every firstborn, and God doesn't just start there or in there. He says not only that, but all the livestock. If there's a firstborn of a cow or a sheep or a goat or a dog or whatever is there, they're going to die. They're going to die. So that finally, Pharaoh will relent and let the people go. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we're going to start looking at this in our notes. We see at the end in verse 7, God says, listen, there's going to be a distinction between Egypt and Israel. There's going to be something that happens. So as we jump into our notes, we're going to look at this because here's the thing we need to understand very clearly. And we need to understand it not just then, but today as well. And it's simply this. Death was coming. Death was coming, but God gives them instructions, them being the Israelites, and even us in a moment we'll see to be protected. You see, sometimes we, we kind of live a life that doesn't understand that. That thinks, you know what, we got all the time in the world. Death is, oh sure, yeah, yeah, we'll die, but not now. Not, not anytime soon. I, I, I got plenty of time. Things are there. But here's the thing. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he tells Pharaoh exactly what's going to happen. You would have thought at some point in time, Pharaoh would have gotten the clue that basically when Moses says God spoke and God says this is going to happen, it's going to happen. But even in this moment, he says, listen, God has spoken and God is going to take out the firstborn. The firstborn from Pharaoh's own son to the lowliest, basically, servant girl. Every firstborn of the livestock is going to be taken care of. This is coming. This is happening. But the thing is, God says, listen, I am going to make a way. I am going to bring about a protection 
but it's going to be something that you are going to have to do. And that's important that we understand. But God gives the Israelites instructions on how to be protected from the death that is coming. Look with me in Exodus 12. In Exodus 12, we begin to see here, God begins to give these instructions. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a couple of these verses, and then we're going to break them down a little bit. And then we're going to go through a couple more and break them down, because there's some depth here that we need to check on and look at together. So we're going to look at Exodus 12, verses 1 through 6 first. We're going to hit a couple things there and then move on. So this is what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people that are there. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with which each person will eat. The animal you choose must be a year old males without defect and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Okay, so God now is beginning to share with the Israelites the way out. He's beginning to share, if you want to be protected, you're going to have to do some things. Death is coming, but I am going to make a way to do that. But before we really jump into that, we want, I want to hit a couple things here that we need to understand. And this is important. Number one, this is in your notes. God hits the reset button. God hits the reset button. Did you notice what happens in Exodus basically 12.1? He basically says, listen, this day is going to start it all over. This day is going to be the first day of the year. So basically what he's doing is he's basically saying, listen, from here on out, things are going to be different. Things are going to change. Something is going to major legally happen in this moment that is going to change the situation that you find yourself in. What has happened in the past is gone. What has taken place there is gone. And I'm going to do a new thing. And I want you to signify that by looking at it as basically New Year's Day. Now, this can get a little confusing because in the Jewish mind, in the Jewish world, they basically have two calendars. They have basically a ceremonial calendar and they have a civic calendar. And what God is talking about here is the ceremonial calendar that begins to happen. Basically, if you don't know, what God is beginning to put into place here is what we call the Passover and what they do as well. But God in this moment doesn't just say, hey, everything's going to be the same. Everything's going to continue the way things have been. God says, listen, I want you to identify this moment as a moment where everything in your life has changed. Everything that's taken place in the past is in the past, but now I'm going to do something brand new. It's in your notes. This great reset is God's way of saying, from this point on in your life, everything changes. Everything changes. Listen, what is God really trying to do here? And we can go a lot deeper and a lot longer here. But listen, this is important that you understand because it took a really long time for Israel to get this. I believe this is the moment where God begins to drive out the slave mindset and begins to instill the sonship mindset into his people. 
This is the moment where God says, listen, I know that you were slaves. I know that you were hard moments. I know that you were in bondage. I know that you did things that you weren't supposed to do. But I am going to now make a way. I am now going to hit that reset button in my people's lives and basically saying, listen, now everything changes. Everything changes. And God wanted them to have that in their mindset as they moved forward in the instructions. Number two, God asked for the perfect lamb. God doesn't ask for their second best. God doesn't say, hey, listen, anything will do. He asked specifically for a perfect lamb. He basically, depending on the translation you use, you can see, you know, so blameless, or it'll say without defect, or, or, or those types of ideas. But the idea is all the same. Basically, they were to take the best lamb that they had. They were to take that lamb without, I, I've, I've heard some people say, and in some translations, it says without, without spot or, or blemish. It was this perfect lamb they were going to take and they were going to grab it and they were going to do something a little strange because you don't realize, sometimes people don't realize what they had to do. You see, on the first day, they were to take this perfect spotless lamb and the lamb wasn't going to live outside anymore. The lamb wasn't going to live in the, the lamb pen anymore. The lamb lived with the family for four days. So you brought this lamb into your home this perfect, innocent, spotless lamb. Now listen, I grew up with a, an, a, with a grandpa who one day when we showed up at his house in, on the farm, we walk in and we hear, I think I've talked about this before, the baying of a little lamb. I don't know about older lambs. I don't know, you know, I, but, but, but little baby lambs, man, are they cute. And we had, I think we called her Henrietta or something, I don't know. And we got pictures and we're sitting there, you know, with Henrietta, my sisters have got like a, you know, they're shepherdess or something, you know, arm around. I mean, here's the thing. When you bring a lamb into children, into your home, guess what? You don't now have a lamb. You got a pet. You know what I mean? And they did for four days. They allowed this perfect lamb to be there. But then at the end of that time, God says at twilight, you're to kill the lamb. I, I, I can only imagine how, how that must have been hard in that moment. But God says, listen, I want a perfect, spotless lamb. Now let's look on. Let's continue on here. Exodus 12. Now let's continue on with verse number 7. Or 6, excuse me. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. That's what we said. Number seven. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses when, where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over a fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. Then this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So, what's going on here? Let's break this down a little bit, and let's look at one major, major thing. It's this. The blood of the Lamb is to be put on the door frames of their dwellings. 
okay, the blood of the lamb, when they've taken this lamb and they've slaughtered the lamb, they are then to take the blood of that lamb and place it on the door frames of their dwelling. I found actually a picture. It's a modern picture, if you want to throw that up there, Monica, of, of that look. I believe I believe I found that picture in, in Capernaum. Um, and obviously this was somebody that was celebrating there in Capernaum um, on the Passover. So it kind of gives you an idea. I don't know, you know, as I was kind of looking at this, I didn't know if their door frames were necessarily wood or stone. But anyway, it gives you a picture here of kind of what that looks like. But the concept was after that blood has been shed, it, they had to do something with it. It wasn't enough to just shed the blood. The blood had to be applied. The blood had to be used. If, listen, here's the thing we need to understand. If the, if the lamb had been killed, if the lamb had been sacrificed, if, if the lamb had become the sacrificial lamb, the substitute, for the eldest child in that home. They still had to do something with the blood. The blood had to be applied to the door frames of their dwellings. So that's important. Now let's continue on. Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13. It says, On the same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood, and this is important, the blood will be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destruction, uh, destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. What are we looking for here? Let's, this is important. Number four, it's in your notes. God was looking for the blood of the lamb. Now I want you to notice something. Sometimes we talk about what is there, and sometimes we also need to understand what isn't there, if that makes sense. And what isn't there is this. What does God say? He says, you do these things, and I'm going to come into the land, and I'm going to be looking for the blood of the lamb. God doesn't say, I'm going to come in and look at the blood and still go in the house, open the door and say, wait, is everybody in here that's supposed to be in here? Is everybody in here worthy enough to be in here? He doesn't say that. He simply says, whoever is in the home where the blood is on the doorpost, they will be saved. That's important. Because a lot of times we think that we have to earn certain things or be, God is looking for the blood. God is looking for the blood on the door place of our dwellings. That's what God is looking for. If you want death to pass over you, if you in that time wanted death to move on to next door, it wasn't about how good you were that day. It wasn't about how perfect you were the day before. All that mattered, all that God was looking for was the blood of the lamb. That's what he was looking for. And obviously, this event is foreshadowing God's ultimate plan to redeem all of us. This is what we see in the Old Testament, where God begins to unveil in some great way this understanding of what Jesus is really going to do for us. We have to understand that. We need to understand that in a deep understanding, in a way that we can communicate it, not just for ourselves, but for others. See, this event was a foreshadowing. This event was helping us to see all the way back in the Old Testament that God's plan was going to be fulfilled by another lamb. 
And we have to understand it. But you know, we also have to understand some other things. Let's look at these together. Romans 3.23. In Romans 3.23, what do we need to understand? It's simple. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. I've had people ask me, Aaron, what's God's glorious standard? What, what is his standard? What, what does God expect of us? And you know what? It's not necessarily easy to say, but it's true. God's standard for you and for me is zero sin. Not one sin, not just little sin, not just don't do the biggies, but no sin. That is God's standard. And according to what we see here, we've all failed. Every single one of us has done something. We have not gotten to God's standard. We've missed it. We've missed that, that standard of perfection because that's what God is asking from us. He can do that because he's God. He created us. He made us. So he says, listen, we've all sinned. Every single one of us has not met the standard of God. Now let's continue. Let's look at Romans 3.10. In Romans 3.10, we get an understanding of what sin does to us. How do you know if you are a sinner? Well, I think most of us know already, but listen to what it says in Romans 10, 3, 10 through 18. This describes sin. It describes what it does. It describes how it affects us. As scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Now, before we jump and start to think about who that really sounds like or who we could say, boy, yeah, so-and-so, boy, that's really them. I, I think we all need to understand that that's us at times. That at times those lies are coming from our lips. At those times, yeah, we may not murder someone in the physical, but with our thoughts and our tongues, maybe we do. We've all fallen short. We are all in trouble. We are all headed towards death. Why do we know? Look at Romans 6.23. In Romans 6.23, it tells us, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned. We all have to understand that. We have a sin nature and we all commit sin, a lot of sin. And the wages, the payment for that is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, you ever hear somebody say, I, I, I want what I deserve? Please don't say that. Because <laughs> you don't want what you deserve. I don't want what I deserve. I don't need what I deserve. What I deserve by that by my actions, by the way I've lived my life, no matter how good I think I am, I deserve death. Death is coming for me. It is the wage that I have earned by my rebellion from God. However, even though in this verse we see that concept of death being what we've earned, we are offered a gift. I love gifts. I love giving gifts. And to be flat honest with you, I like getting gifts too. Gifts are great. You know what I like about gifts? Is and this is going to show a little bit of my, my flaws as a human being, they don't cost me anything. 
You know what I mean? Like, if you go out and buy me something, it didn't cost me nothing. I like that. It's kind of nice. Like, if I go out and buy something for myself, I mean, you know, that's great. You know, it's fine. But it's like, you know, I still had to pay for it. But if someone else gives me a gift, it doesn't cost me anything. But here's the thing. The person who gives the gift, it costs them something. God's gift to you cost him something. It cost him something. It was not free. It was not free. You go back as we look at the story in Exodus. Listen, for that death angel to pass, blood had to be shed. And you know what? It didn't cost the guy slit in the throat anything other than the lamb. Maybe he wasn't even the eldest. Listen, I remember as a kid reading this story, and I'm the eldest in my family, and I got a little concerned about this situation here. It didn't cost them, but it cost the lamb everything. You see, for God to give a gift, it had to cost him something. Look at Romans 5.8. In Romans 5.8, we see but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Not after we figured this out, before. What did it cost? What was the gift? The gift was Jesus. The gift was his life for ours. The gift was his substitute for ours. He was and is the Lamb. He is the one that did it. Not us. Not because of how good we are or great we are, but because He, the gift, cost God something major. But He did it because He loves you. He did it because He loves me. And He said, you know what? To give this gift, there has to be blood. And the ultimate sacrifice was His own Son. Look at John 1.29. This is John the Baptist speaking. Listen to what he says about Jesus. The next day, John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why does John use that phrase? Simple. John understood who Jesus was. John, in that moment, knew that he was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the ultimate substitute for you and for me and for him. That he was the one that would come. So that we could be passed over from what we deserve, which is death and experience life. Even Peter understands this. Look in 1 Peter 1. In 1 Peter 1 Verses 18 and 19, this is what he says. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You see, when we look at all this story, we see the foreshadowing take place here. We need to understand who we are in the story. We need to understand who God is in the story. And we need to understand who Jesus is in the story. Jesus is that spotless lamb. But there had to be 
blood. There had to be the sacrifice. The blood of the lamb is what paid the wages of sin because it had to be death. But because Jesus laid down his life for you and for me, we can no longer be responsible for the, what we deserve. Instead of death, we are given mercy and life and grace. So we have a simple question. How do we, spiritually speaking, apply the blood of the lamb? Remember, we talked about this earlier. It wasn't enough to just kill the lamb. Okay? It wasn't enough to say, okay, look, God, we, we should get passed over. We killed the lamb. Here's the lamb. We cooked the lamb. We did it exactly the way you said. We dressed the way we should. We have our staff. We, have, we did it all. There had to be an applying of the blood. There had to be the applying. And what we see in Romans 10.9 is how we do that. Look with me. Romans 10.9, this is what it says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's break this down. Let's look at this together. We apply the blood by doing two things. I know this may seem elementary, but this is important. We do it by two things. Number one, confessing out loud that Jesus is Lord. Confessing out loud that Jesus is Lord. Now, we need to understand this. Because unfortunately, there's been times where people have not really understood what this is saying, okay? And because of that, we've missed up a few things. So we need to understand this. Please get this. If you have in your Bible where you can mark something or write something in or do it with, a, with your phone, whatever, see if you can do this. But where you see the word Lord, put a little line out beside it or something and write the word ownership. Because that's what that word means. The word here, Lord, means ownership, okay? When you are confessing that Jesus is Lord, you are doing more than just saying, God, I thank you that, God, you sent your son. Uh, it is a deeper understanding. You are saying that Jesus is your Lord. When you say that, what that means is nothing you own is yours anymore. Your time isn't yours, your body isn't yours, your life isn't yours, your stuff isn't yours, your treasures aren't yours. When you say, God, Jesus, you are my Lord, you are basically transferring all of those things into God's hands and saying, God, that now belongs to you. What does that mean? This is something that scares me half to death, but I'm just going to say it. It means that if God calls me tomorrow and says, listen, Aaron, I know you and your family really like Broomfield and everything's great, but you know what? I need you to go to Zimbabwe and live in a hut and tell people about Jesus. Guess what? Guess what's happening next Sunday? I'm resigning. Why? Because I don't own my life. Do I really want to do that, to be honest with you? No. I probably wouldn't do well in a hut. I like air conditioning, but you know what? My life isn't mine anymore. My life was paid for. Listen, Peter talked about it, this idea of ransom. What's a ransom? It's something that's paid to get somebody back. We talk about it all the time. We were bought with a price. When you claim ownership and understand that and allow that that is important that is that confession that you're making that God 
It's no longer about me anymore. It's all about you. What you want, what you've called, my time, my treasures, my talents, whatever it is, it all is yours to do with how you want to do with it. So we need to understand that. That it's more than just saying this prayer. It's understanding that that word means ownership. So number one, confessing. Number two, believing in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. So there is also a belief, a trust, a faith. Because here's the thing. These things go hand in hand. If you can't believe, you can't confess. But it goes hand in hand because as we understand that, now we begin to do something a little bit different. Now as we believe that this happened, now that we believe that God has come, saved us from this wages of sin is death, now all of a sudden we start to go, hey, listen, I don't do these things to earn salvation. I don't do these things because I want God to love me. God has already proven his love because I have already given my heart to him. I confess that he is Lord of my life. So I do these things for him because I love him back. Because I want to do it. These confessing and believing go hand in hand. But listen, I like, I like to not only just look at what we need to do, but what are the results of those things. When we apply the blood of the Lamb, look what happens. Romans 5, 1 through 2. Romans 5, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Look at Romans 8, 1 through 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And look at this one. I love Romans 8, 38 and 39. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. No, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even. The power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What amazing promises. You know, we came up here this morning, we shared testimonies. You know what we found in those testimonies in a lot of ways? In those testimonies, we saw those verses in action in our lives. That is, when we apply that blood, there is, God begins to do something. Remember, we talked about it earlier. All those things that happened before or in the past, a new day has come. A new life has been born. Something amazing has taken place. Now listen, I have a fairly good idea of who's here this morning, your life, known you for quite a while. Obviously, people online, some could, I could say that about, maybe others I couldn't. But I know kind of what, you know, you speak on something like this, and, and I know sometimes what kind of goes through our heads. You know, it's like, you know, Aaron, this is great. I'm, I'm glad you're sharing this. This is important. But you know what, Aaron, listen, I've known this since I was in second grade. I, I was in Sunday school, 
and I heard this, I, I know the story of salvation, I, under, I, I understand all these things, and that's, that's great, but, but for you this morning, I have a question. I have a question for you, and for all of us, really. And this is the last. Who have you shared this with? I'm glad that you've had this story told. This is the greatest story ever told. This is God's rescue plan for all humanity. We should shout this from the rooftops. We should be telling this story over and over again. Listen, I hope that as you've been hearing these things, that you haven't been turning off things, but instead you've been like, yeah, I want to hear it again. Let's tell the story again because that's our hope. But I have a question. Who have you shared this with? This is in your notes. Because here's the problem. Listen, have you shared this even one time? You say, Aaron, well, well come on, you know, really just once? A study conducted by the Gospel Coalition found that 48% of professing Christians have never shared their faith once. Not one time. Not one time. I want you to think about that for a second. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying these things so that we sit there and go, oh, I'm a horrible person. No. But I mean, just on that, half the people in this room roughly have never shared their life about God or their salvation story or the salvation message once. Listen, folks. I hear it all the time. Whoa, days are getting short. Jesus is coming back. Yep, you're exactly right. So what are we doing about it? Because really at that understanding, there's really only really one thing that we should be focused in on. And that's making sure as many people as possible are ready for when that day comes. Whether it's when that rapture comes and we're, we're brought up, whether it's just a natural death, whatever it is, we need to be ready to share this story. Look at Matthew 28. I know you've heard it, but we're reading it again. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples. Now notice, please. Please notice. The word here is disciples. It is not pastors. It is not missionaries. It is not people who speak well or do not. It is not people that have great talent or do not, or whatever excuse that you have. If you have accepted Jesus, you are a disciple. So this is for all of us. All of us. He spoke to his disciples. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, here's the thing, and I've had people come to me and, you know, and they'll say, and you know, I appreciate the honesty here. They'll say, you know, Aaron, I, I want to share my faith, but I don't know how. I don't know how. And that's, that's completely fair. Okay? It's good to understand that maybe we need to, to learn this and, and look at these things together. So here's, here's what I've done, because I wanted to help you. Hopefully when you walked in, you received one of these. Just a little piece of paper. I tried to make it as small as I could, so that you could put it on your refrigerator or on your mirror or put it in your Bible 
where it wasn't, but where you could still read it without a magnifying glass. Now, looking at it, 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 you may need a magnifying glass, but there's a lot of information here, okay? This is the Romans' road to salvation. I, I remember learning this when I was in high school back in, you know, years ago. <clears throat> and I remember even then going, really? Do we really need this? Do we, do we really? Yeah, I think we kind of do. This is how. Listen, and, and hear my heart on this. I think that what we've done in the past is we've, we've started to make our lives and the way we live so important that we've kind of forgotten that we also got to talk. Okay? I am totally agreeing with you when it comes to being able to, to live your life in front of people. That is very important. Please don't misunderstand me. But listen, at some point in time, you're going to need to open your mouth too. This is a way to help you in that. This is a way that if you follow these steps, guess what? Guess what I did this morning? I just followed the steps where we can share this with others. I want everybody to have one of these. Paul went and grabbed some. I don't necessarily want him to hand them out right now, but maybe he'll be in the back or something like that. If you didn't get one of these, take one of these. Put it in your, your, on your refrigerator. Put it, put it on your desk at work. I don't know where you're going to put it, but have it. Look at it. Read it. Understand that God has called you not just to be a light that doesn't speak, but a light that shares. It's interesting. Look how God works. I didn't plan it this way, I promise. But guess what we did today? We spoke testimonies. We spoke about what God has done. What do you think this is? This is a way for you to speak into people's lives. Will you do it perfectly? No, you probably won't. But that's where God comes along and God does what is really important. But I want you to take these things Follow the steps. Some of you are married. Um, practice on each other. You know what I mean? Work together so that you can be not one of these 48% who's never shared it once. As we close this morning, I want to change the subject just slightly, but in the same ballpark, obviously. You know, I've, I've, I've had an opportunity and it's one of the greatest things in the world to be able to share your faith. It's one of the greatest things in the world to be able to share what God has done for us. That, that he's made a way where there was no way in a lot of ways. Through his son and through sacrifice. But it's usually when I have that conversation with people, not everybody, but sometimes this will come up. They'll say, you know, but Aaron... I'm a good person. You know, I, 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 I'm not bad like so-and-so. I don't do things like so-and-so. I'm not a bad person. And you know what I say to him? I say, that's great. I'm glad you're not a bad person. I said, but there's a problem with that. And I said this, that's not what God is looking for. You know, as we look at the story of the Exodus... As we look at that story of the last plague, we read it earlier. God is looking for one thing. He's not looking to see if who in the house is worthy enough to deserve the blood on the door. He doesn't open the door and say, well, you know, I know the blood's here, but you know what? I know what you did last week, 
and you're just, you're just not good enough. You don't, you don't deserve the blood. He simply looks for the blood. A lot of people hear me here. A lot of people are going to spend eternity without Jesus because they think they're good enough. And the bottom line is, is that's not what God is looking for. And hear me here. There will be people in heaven that will spend eternity with God who, quite honestly, if you knew who they were right now, you'd probably be a little upset about it. Because you'd go, you know what? They did some pretty horrible things. They did some pretty disgusting things. They did some things that are not okay. But you know what? At some point in their lives, they confessed, they believed, they applied the blood, and in that moment, everything started new for them. And in that moment, when they stood before God, because we all will, and God looked, what he saw was the blood. What he saw was the blood. Can you do me a favor? Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? For those that are online, can you do the same? Just because, I know it's harder sometimes at home, but, or, or in your car, or wherever you may be at. If you're in your car, please don't close your eyes. But just so we can focus. I just have a simple question. I'm not going to ask how good you are. I'm not going to ask, are you better than so-and-so? I'm simply going to ask you a simple question. You see, the sacrifice has already been made. Jesus came, and he let himself be killed. He offered himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. And that's amazing. And he's risen. He's not in the tomb anymore. And that is amazing. You see, God made a way because death was coming. But for some of us, even though the sacrifice has been made, maybe even the meal has been eaten, we have not yet applied the blood to the door frames of our dwellings. That's what God is looking for. He's not looking for how much you gave in the offering. He's not looking for how many Sundays you have been here without missing church. He is not even looking for what you have done for him. Even though all of those things are important and have their place. He is simply looking for the blood of his son. And when he sees that blood, life becomes what we receive. Not just life here, but life for all eternity. But if you don't have the blood, listen, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor, it doesn't matter if you're a missionary, it doesn't matter if you're a Sunday school teacher, it doesn't matter who you are. If you don't have the blood, nothing else matters. So this morning, it's this real simple question. Do you have the blood? Do you have, have you accepted the forgiveness and sacrifice of Jesus? Because if you haven't, you can this morning. It's not too late. But listen, listen, 
when you've taken your last breath, it's too late. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says you have all the time in the world. We don't know how much time we have left. So if that's you this morning, you can confess and you can believe and you can be saved. You can, spiritually speaking, apply that blood and have peace with God and a hope that passes all understanding and know that nothing will separate you from the love of God. That is the gift that God is offering, the gift that cost him so much, that cost you nothing, but yet you gain everything. So here's what I'd like to do. And again, I know that there are people online. I believe that there are people watching this much further in the future than just today. And because of that, I'm going to ask you a question. Would you like to today apply the blood? Would you like to today accept this amazing gift? Because if you do, it's really easy. God didn't make it difficult. We tend to make it difficult. God made it real simple when it comes to stuff that matters the most. And he basically said, if you'll confess and you'll believe, you will be saved. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to pray. And again, it's going to be a little different because I believe there are people online, maybe right now, maybe here, maybe, um, maybe a long time from now, that are going to be praying this prayer. I believe we'll be in heaven one day and we'll see people who, who heard this maybe years from when this was shared. And God said, today's your day. And you said, today I'm going to accept this amazing gift. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me, between you and God, all right? Just, re just repeat after me out loud, whether it's today or whenever, okay? Father, I love you. And Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice. God, I know that I have sinned. I know that the wages of my sin is death. But I also know that your gift for me is eternal life. Not because of what I have done, but because you offered yourself for me. You were my substitute. You died so I could live. You are the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And I accept your gift this morning. So Jesus, now, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. All that I am, all that I have, is yours. You are my Lord and my Savior. Not only, Jesus, do I confess, but I believe that you came, you died for me, 
and you rose again on the third day. Because you live, I can live. So Jesus, I confess that you are Lord, and I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I stand on the promise that I am saved. I love you, Jesus. I thank you. As we continue to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask those that do know Jesus a simple question. Who have you shared this with? Who have you, who have you sat down with and had this discussion with? I'm glad, I'm glad you're living your life in the right way. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Keep it up. But you know what? God has also called you to speak. I do believe that, we're sh- that the time is short. I do believe that Jesus is coming soon. And we should desire to everyone we know to give them the opportunity to come with us. So listen, if you have not spoken it out, it's time. If you have not shared it, it is time. For some of you, these people live in your homes. For some of you, they may be family members, parents, kids, co-workers. It doesn't matter who it is. God will speak to you and show you who he wants you to share this with. But it's time to stop being silent. It's time to share this great news with everyone. So for you, I want to pray over you. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, I come to you. And Father, first of all, I thank you for those this morning that have accepted you. Father, it says in your word that that the angels, that heaven celebrates when people come home. And Father, I believe whether it's in this moment or moments in the future, there are people that that have accepted you. That are no longer headed towards death, but to life. But for the rest of us, Father, who have accepted you, God, I pray that you would just birth in us a desire to share these words and this news with others. That, Father, we would take this road and we would walk many people through it. That we would understand that it's our job to give them opportunity. What they decide to do with it, it's their decision. What we're called to do is to walk them down that road and help them see that they need a Savior. And if there was ever a time where it was clear that people needed something greater than what they have in this life, it's now. I believe people are hungry. I believe people are looking. I believe people are ready for you. And it's time that we open our mouths and share your good news with them. So, Father, I pray that you would place people in our minds. Father, I pray that you would put people in our paths. And that, Father, that you would make it very clear. And that you would give us a boldness to share your good news with all the individuals you've called us to share it with. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Listen, if you didn't get one of those cards, they'll be back at the back. Paul will be back there. He'll make sure. Listen, if we have extras, take extras, okay? If you need more, take more. You want to put one on every mirror in your house, do it. I don't care. Just take one and use it because I believe God wants to use us in this season and in this time to not just be a light, but to speak that light out into dark places. 
all right? Listen, I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that you're here with us. Remember, on Wednesday, we have prayer. So our community groups are starting this weekend. Please sign up for next week in the brunch because we're going to have a great time. I'm really looking forward to being together with you. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. We hope you have a wonderful week. I hope you all have a great week. I love you. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Thank you.